0: All right, today we will finish up this little text that we've been in for the last six months or so. Titus chapter three, verses one through eight. The I don't know why. Let's pray. Father, I pray for my heart this night. I pray that my heart would be sensitive to you, that sin in my life would be confessed, and that I would stand before you a vessel that is usable by you to glorify the Savior. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the privilege that is ours to open your word. And I pray that you would use it in our lives in spite of the limitations of the speaker, in spite of the distractions that we become, that you would speak to our hearts and challenge us if we finish up this little passage in Titus that we've been looking at for some time. Thank you for your word. For what it does in our lives, help us to be conformed to the image of our Savior. And I pray that you would be glorified in us and through us. And I pray in the Lord's name, of the thanksgiving. Amen. Titus chapter 1, our text begins as we look at this, remind them to be subject to rulers. And the question. That we ask when we come to a passage like this is who is he, talk, who is he talking about when he says, Remind them, who is, who is them? Who is represented by that little word, them? And that answer for well, that goes all the way back to chapter one, the very beginning, when Paul introduces himself as the writer. He calls himself Paul a bondservant. Which uh, Revelation, I think Revelation 15 uh, refers to Moses, the, the people of the children of Israel, of the children that are standing before the throne, uh, sing the song of Moses, the bond servant of God is referred to. And so that I just take that passage to refer Paul referring to himself first of all as a bond servant of an Old Testament type, uh, and then also an apostle, which is a New Testament term for a messenger. A Messenger of Jesus Christ. Paul introduces himself, and then he says to whom he's writing, it's for the faith of those chosen of God. And in this passage here he's referring then to God's people, those who are referring are chosen of him, and this is for their faith, their growth, their advancement, their health. He also says, it's for the full knowledge of the truth, which I was thinking about this as I'm studying this morning. I, I, I read, have been reading a bit of Proverbs and, and Psalms, and if you read Proverbs, you know that Proverbs talks a lot about wisdom and knowledge and instruction, and the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God and the understanding of God and, and having uh, these things to educate us and help us understand God's way and the way of living is very valuable. And so to have a grasp of the knowledge the full knowledge of god is a very valuable thing and that's why paul is writing these things to help the saints do that and he refers to that and he refers to the saints and some of the aspects he talks about the leaders uh, titus is to help appoint elders in the church because we're dealing with god's people and you need leadership that's spiritual that has a strong commitment to the lordship of Christ. And so you need that. And he talks about that. He talks about uh, being subject to different things. And when you get to our text here, he's talking about being subject to rules and authorities. We have looked at, and I just want to give you an overview. We have looked at four or three things. We've talked about remembering this, the sanctification, basically, remembering. Um, what God has been doing in your life, what you are responsible for. Uh, John MacArthur in his commentary mentions the duties that we have in a pagan society, remembering our responsibility uh, in that area. And then secondly, to remember your past failures. He talks about that. And then the present salvation and then finally the your purpose that you have. Let me just run through that so that we'll have that text in mind first of all remembering your sanctification he says remind them to be this is verse one remind them to be subject to the rulers and authorities and that uh idea means it's all tells titus to do this repeatedly to do this as a habit this is an ongoing thing it's not you know once a year we talk about reminding us to be obedient to these things and be subject to authorities and then move on but we that's just part of the territory that we're in That we are to be submissive we were looking this morning at peter and uh, peter was using the lord's suffering as an example for us to follow that uh, he didn't revile those that mistreated him and we are to follow his example he he set a very high bar for us and he expects us to strive to aim at that, to try to to fulfill the standard that he has given to us, and of course, I know, you know, that we can't do that, but we strive for that. And we strive for it in his power, and in his faith, because it's right, and for this good, and because by doing that, some of the words that Paul uses there, we adorn uh, the the message, the grace, the salvation that God has given us, the work of Christ. We adorn that. We said it uh so that it is visible by the public eye and they can see that and seeing that they see christ and, and that's important we want people to to see those things and so that's what he's talking about here so he says to remind them this is a remember your sanctification remind them to be subject to rulers to be obedient to be ready for every good morally good deed uh to malign uh no one um, when he talks about maligning, he's talking about almost uh, blasphemy. He, he don't speak lightly of sacred things. Don't be profane about sacred things. Be peaceable, abstain from violence. Um, be gentle, that has the idea of moderation, of being fair, and showing every consideration, every meekness, every humility. So that's the first. that we looked at we spent some time in that our sanctification remember these things remember our responsibilities those around us and to take that seriously secondly then your past failures we we talked about that that uh, what we were and where we came from and and the the change that the Lord has made in our lives he said verse three for we once were foolish that is we were once without <coughs> having an idea without knowledge without understanding uh i mentioned a moment ago proverbs i uh, was thinking about that this morning proverbs chapter one verses one through seven uh, the proverb of solomon who is the son of david the king of israel why is this man who ever live and he wrote that the proverbs are given to know the wisdom and instruction to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, equity, to receive instruction, to give prudence to the naive, to the young knowledge and discretion. A lot of words in here that have to do with knowledge, understanding, instruction, wisdom, discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. ...to understand the proverb and the figure, the words of the wise and their riddles, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the point is that we're saying here in this passage dealing with past failures, that he says we once were foolish, we were without instruction, we were without knowledge. We didn't have this this uh, ...understanding that uh, we should have of the things of God, you understand that? And that's kind of what um, Paul says in, in Corinthians that the natural man, the unsaved man, does not grasp or perceive or cannot really embrace the things of God because they are foolishness in him. He, he can't understand those things. He goes on here in this passage of reminding you of past failures not only that you were without knowledge, but you were disobedient. Um, and we know that the going all the way back to the flood where God was very displeased with the human race. He was sorry that he'd made them and that they had turned back on the Lord that their own thoughts of evil are only evil continually. And the Lord was very grieved about that. We were deceived. We were, to uh, we be deceived means that we've wandered away from the path. We've wandered away from the, from where we were supposed to be going. We've been led astray. Is there a passage that reminds reminds you of it does to me where Jesus, where where Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And how have we gone astray? We've turned everyone to his own way. We've decided to do what we want to do. We're we're living our lives ourselves. In John chapter 10, the passage we're going to be looking at in the study of John, Jesus as the good shepherd in that passage is uh saying my sheep hear my voice that's one of the ways that his people are identified with him what does he mean hear my voice what he means they listen and respond and uh, yet we are looking at here that before we came to the lord we were deceived we were disobedient we didn't respond to the lord we only did what we wanted to do by the way that's that's an indication of Genuine salvation. What does Jesus say? That if you love me, you keep my commandments. You obey. That's an indication of loving the Lord. If you don't obey him, if you don't follow him, it's an indication that you're not obeying him, that you don't love him. That speaks to me and hits me between the eyes, and I suppose it does to you too, because there are times where I, I end up doing what I want to do instead of what the Lord wants me to do. And that's that's a sin and needs to be confessed and needs to be forsaken and hopefully we make progress in our obedience to the lord so uh past remembering your past failures we were disobedient we were deceived we were enslaved we were slaves to sin we were slaves to our lustful ways we were enslaved to various lusts and pleasures is what he says in the text there lust would be lust and bondage to sin and pleasures, that word pleasures usually relates to sensual pleasures, uh, pleasures to gratify the flesh, those pleasures exist in me, and they exist in you, and we need to be careful about those things, those are very real. Um, spending our time, our life in malice, that's evil, that's a mo- evil in the moral sense. Um, envy, wanting what somebody belongs to somebody else, hateful, being filled with hate, these are all things that that dominated our lives before we came to christ and he says and these things not only hateful but hateful to one another these things uh caused us not to have the good relationships with our own family and with other people at times because we we're so self-centered those are things that dominate our lives but they should not dominate our lives now they should, there should be a difference in our lives we should look differently we should look more like jesus i have a friend who uh, at times it said that, that, that uh, all over her friends say that she shouldn't be complaining so much. She complains already. You don't know the person I'm talking about. But, that, and uh, so uh, and, but she her argument is, I have to be myself. Well, Jesus doesn't want you to be yourself. He wants to make you like himself. He wants you to be better. He wants you to be different. He wants you to be like him. And uh, so that's just, that's what the Lord is doing, isn't it? he's in the process of making more, making us more himself. So first of all, all is telling Titus to remember, first of all, your sanctification, uh, what you need to do, be obedient to those around you and so on and so forth. Then remember the past failures and then remember your present salvation, which I think we looked at uh, last time or so. Verse four, uh, this was the verse that I was thinking about with Joni, uh, risen planning on going over it
1: there at the, the, the funeral, but we, we didn't have time and
0: and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to get involved because it gets kind of technical and stuff. And I just, it was, it was a good time. The witness there at the funeral, by the way, was a witness in itself. if you went to the, to the funeral and you heard the testimony of the people, you would not come away without being aware that you were a sinner and you needed Jesus. And it was, good, it was a good witness. And uh, I think that we talked about the legacy, the time of the legacy goes on today. Anyway, remember your present salvation, verse four says when the kindness or goodness of god our savior and his love for mankind appeared he saved us Uh, that just is a a passage reminding us that god's coming into the world is a display of his goodness and his kindness he came um, to save he came to deliver us from our sin and from our our wretchedness our self-centeredness he came to save us not so much on the basis, not, not on the basis of our deeds or our works or our tasks, which we have done or produced in righteousness. And that word righteousness means that there are works and, and things that that we could perform that were produced in in, in the trying to please God by thought, purpose, actions. But those righteous things that we have done that maybe God asks us to do or require do not gain favor with the lord regarding our eternal destiny we can't do enough good deeds to erase the sin and the failures in our lives one sin is all it takes before a Holy only god to condemn us forever to hell one sin how many sins have you committed i've committed i commit sins all the time just the, the fact that i don't love the lord my god with all my heart for my being is in itself a sin that's that's uh, it brings me condemnation so he says here that Christ came to deliver us, but not on the basis of our religious works, not on the basis of our putting money into the offering plate, not on the basis of going to church, not on the basis of doing religious things which we try to do to please him. Now we should do those things, but we don't do them in order to gain favor with God. We do it because we've already we're already his child. It's an overflow of our love for him. So we're not saved on the basis of those things, but according to his mercy according to his the word mercy means compassion and uh pity he sees our condition aren't you glad that god is a merciful god Mm -hmm. i am so glad he is because if he he were not merciful i mean i am we we get upset at animals and i get upset at people that drive fighting and do things like that and we all get get angry at other people sometimes we have violated god's standard infinitely more than somebody driving along in a funny way with us or whatever we're and yet he's merciful to us he's gracious to us he's patient with us and i'm very thankful for that and so it says here that it's according to his mercy watch this this is interesting and we were talking about ezekiel this morning i want to read that passage in ezekiel because i it on the line uh, ezekiel chapter 36 this is the uh, Ezekiel telling us about the coming of the Holy Spirit and His purpose, and He says, "Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean, and I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols." He's using this imagery of water, and uh, moreover, He says, "I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you." So here's the picture that God is going to pour out His Spirit, give us a new heart, and He's going to cleanse us because we're dirty, we're defiled. He's going to cleanse us from our defilement from our sin a new heart and a new spirit within you i will put there and i will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give your heart of flesh not a heart of stone but a heart of flesh and put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. i'm going to cause you to be obedient i'm going to cause you to follow me i'm going to cleanse you and that's what he's saying here this is what what Paul to and, Paul and, and Titus is saying that we're not saved by our deeds, but rather according to his mercy, according to his grace, according to his compassion. It's by the washing, the bathing, if you will, of the of the water of his word and his spirit that comes and cleanses us. It's the washing, and just I know I'm losing you. I don't want to do that. The washing of regeneration and renewing by the holy spirit regeneration is the giving of a new birth a new life a restoration and so when you're saved the spirit of god comes and things that were foolishness to you and things that didn't make sense to you begin now to crystallize and you begin to see things in the scriptures you never saw before and you begin to understand things and then you see things in other people that that you understand clearly and you can see now where they are deceived perhaps or where they need instruction how they could change how they need changing uh that's what that's what helped me I, I i came to the lord and i had a lot of friends and all of a sudden and there were many of them were church friends but i could see that while they go to church and have, they don't really have a relationship with the lord the lord is not the lord in their life they're still the boss they're still in charge and you can see those things and so he's saying by the re- regeneration and the renewing which comes by the holy spirit um, whom he poured out among us richly that's what he did on the day of pentecost he poured out that's an abundant measure isn't that good by the way we talk to rick talks about that a lot he's aware of the ministry of the holy spirit in his life the holy spirit has not been given in little limited drops it's been poured out that's an imagery that's used of the wine that's poured out on it's the image that's used on the day of Pentecost, from Peter, from Joel. That this has been that you've been poured forth is what you see here. It's the Spirit of God who poured out in abundant measure. That's good. That's 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 a. Uh, and so the Holy Spirit has now come alongside. He's come alongside to take the place of, of Jesus Christ, who was here in the flesh. Jesus Christ is limited geographically to one location, but so when He went, He sent the Holy Spirit to come as an advocate the same kind of advocate that jesus was but he could be all places at the same time and so that's that's an advantage and He's hearing, and you know maybe another advantage i've often thought when i was driving my car that i wish the lord was sitting right here that i could just talk to him and ask him questions and stuff like that but you can't do that you really can't you won't you won't hear an audible voice but if you really pray and ask him he'll show you a lot of things that really helped to crystallize your walk with the Lord and things like that and he's doing that with me uh I don't listen I'm, I'm sorry about that but I just don't listen like I should and I, I um my dad used to say it's better for people wonder what you would have said and wonder why you said it that's wisdom that has come from the Lord to me too because my mouth runs really well and, and, and I don't always listen as I should in fact most of the time I don't so he has to he has to bring that conviction forward. so remember your past salvation you're not saved by your works but you're saved by his mercy and his grace and through the renewing of the holy spirit that's poured out in your life and we've been justified by his grace justified means that we have been declared by god to be righteous in his sight which is the sight that matters and he has declared us he has I've used the illustration. He has already given us a passing grade for our final exam when he does that. So, uh, if you've taken the final exams in college, you know that most of the time you're passing the course will depend on that final exam and uh, people panic to talk about the final exam. They'll spend Sometimes stay up two or three nights, almost late at night, studying for that final exam so they can pass the course. And once they pass the course, of the exam, <sighs> so they forget the course and they, everything that they learn <laughs> and they walk away with it. But this is Jesus being justified by faith, as the Lord saying, You have passed the exam. You have passed the uh, exam. And you pass it perfectly if it's in Christ. It's in you. Every I and dotted in T has been crossed. Uh, and it's by His grace, it's by His kindness, it's by His unmerited favor. And not only that, but it's also that we would be heirs of His kingdom, of His Lord. We would be heirs to the hope of eternal life. The hope has to do with the expectation of what He's promised we are. And that's a good thing, that we hope for these things. You know, if we didn't hope for it, we didn't, if, if heaven was a boring place, if being of the Lord was a boring place, the, the hope wouldn't be that attractive, but it is a wonderful uh, attraction, and we know it's, a, it's the best there is. I know, I tell people all the time, and I talk to those, and they ask about, we're talking about military and I told them I was in the monitor and I met the girl out right now, and she, we got married and something, and, stuff, and she's now with the Lord, and I'm people would say she's better off than she ever was before. That's not a cliche, that is the truth. She is definitely, and so is Joni, definitely infinitely better off now than ever before and we 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 struggle to understand that and you know if the lord were getting up a bus and have loads of of people to go to heaven we would probably none of us would volunteer we would want to hold on to life as worth as we because this is what we know but the truth is that heaven's better much better so anyway uh this is this is our our present salvation that he saved us by his grace and we're heirs according to the hope of his eternal life eternal life eternal simply means it's life without beginning, without end. And um, in, our, in our in the creation of environment here that God has created, we think of, of time as passing, mm-hmm. past time, present time, and future time. When we move out of that into the, the eternal realm, there is no past, present, future. It's always the con- eternal present. And it never ends. It's always there. It's hard for us to grasp that, but the Bible talks about that, and we know that's true. Then finally, the last point. <coughs> Uh, in this this little review of the text that we've been going over for the last several months first to remember the sanctification second remember the past failures third the present salvation and finally remember your purpose he says in verse eight this is a trustworthy statement that is this is a faithful statement this is a statement that you can rely on uh, that he's talking about and that word statement is a translation of the greek word logos which means you could translate it speech discourse account now this these things that we that paul has been talking about these are trustworthy things these are things you can count on you can bank on and that's a good thing that we have that information in our day because we have a lot of people saying a lot of things and a lot of people saying things that are not true they're making speeches that are not true they're declaring things that are not true but the things that god is telling us here are true they're trustworthy And uh, concerning these things, I want to speak confidently, I want to affirm uh, confidently so that those who have believed, those who have come by faith, those who have uh, been entrusted with this truth, uh, will be careful to engage in good deeds. So he's saying these things so that you you have engaged yourself in the truth of what he's talking about, and it is to help you govern your life, to maintain your standard. Of, of good behavior, of good deeds, good in appearance, useful, profitable, good tasks, uh, good works. These things that, that, that he is entrusting to us as we talk about these things, this is a trustworthy statement. These things are trustworthy. Uh, they are trustworthy things. And concerning these things, I want to speak confidently. I want to speak uh, uh, to affirm confidently so that those who have believed these things and come to they and believe them, uh, will be careful to engage in good behavior, in profitable behavior, and good deeds. And that would include all the things we've been talking about. These things are good, these things are attractive, these things are noble, these things are honorable, we are looking at, and they are useful, they are profitable. Uh, for the text says men, but you could translate that people is good for both men and women. So the reason He's been giving us these things is for our living now, our present living, and to practice them and to obey them, and that's why He's been talking about. He's been talking about the, the things that your sanctification. Remember those things. Remember the past failures and learn from those things. Remember the present salvation, what God has done in your life, and remember the purpose of that is to engage us in good works and good deeds. That's important. That's that, that's really important. And I need to do that, and I'm sure you need to do that, too. We need to take that into account. God is so good to us. And the fact is, the text says he is merciful, and he's gracious to do that and to deliver us. And that's, that's just a, a sign of his infinite mercy, that right? so he has done what we really need, and now he's telling us so that let that need that be, be respected in our lives and not be more are any thoughts or comments on that before we close? Yep. Yeah. All right, let's pray. Dear Father, um, I know we kind of feel like we've grown from a fire hose, but these are good words. And I really thank you for what you have, have done um, here on the cross and done for us, the mercy and the grace that you have displayed in our lives, the call that you've given to us to be godly, to discipline ourselves. Um, and to, to demonstrate by our lives the good deeds that you've told us. and told us in Ephesians that these are deeds that you've been preparing beforehand, that we should walk in them. And uh, so I just I pray for my life, and I pray for our lives, that you would help us to take you seriously, um, to listen to your word, to heed the things you've said, and to profit from these things. Lord, well, you're so good to us. You're so good to us. And I'm, I just really thank you so much for your mercy, for your grace. And we, we know, at least I do, I know of people that have <coughs> gone through all kinds of suffering and difficulties, and uh, yet you have blessed me with good health and blessed me with, with a good situation, living situation. And I don't deserve the least of these things, and yet you have poured out in my life such abundant mercy and grace. And I thank you so much for that. And I thank you for the fellowship here, for the people, and in these days in their dark, and Someone commented this morning that they think maybe the virus may be one of the the uh, plagues that Revelation speaks about. I don't know if that's the case. I know you know what you're doing, and I don't I don't worry about that. But I do I do pray. That you would help us to hold on to the things that really matter in this life and to make sure that we put, invest our time and effort into things that will build our relationship and help us to really walk in strict obedience to you. You are good. Help us to reflect that goodness to those around us and you care for us. I'm thinking of the John 10, Lord, where you are the good shepherd and you know your sheep. And your sheep respond to your voice. And there, there is in that context a uh, shepherd that's hired, a hireling. And that shepherd is identified because he abandons the sheep. And it says that he is not concerned for the sheep. Help us to be concerned for those that, that we live with, that we work with, that we minister to, both in the church and in the classes and in our family. We have that concern that can only come if you give it to us help us to really pour our lives at the feet of the cross so to speak and to walk in obedience to you help us to do it we can't do it by ourselves i pray in jesus name thanksgiving amen